0: This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. We got a full show for you today. Uh, Jacob Burke, an outfielder with Miami, is going to join us here in uh, uh, about an hour. Dan McDonald, the coach of Louisville's baseball team. The cards, by the way, are the 12th seed nationally will be here uh, at 845. Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball, uh, who's got some uh, pretty... Packed analysis of the NCAA baseball field will join us, Drew, coming up 9 o'clock, along with Jenny Levy in the 9 o'clock hour, champion head coach, North Carolina women's lacrosse, and John Shire, the head basketball coach of the Duke Blue Devils, will be here at 9.30. All that and more to come up. Come to you. Drew Carter last night on Twitter put the phone number for the show out there at 844-SAY-ACCN. Because uh, the airing of the grievances may occur at some point here today, Drew, because last night, or yesterday at noon, nine teams from the Atlantic Coast Conference went into this handy-dandy NCAA tournament baseball bracket, right? The problem is that one of them was not North Carolina State. And unbelievably, the Wolfpack was left on the side of the road by the Division One Baseball Committee and did not make the NCAA baseball tournament. It's, it is is a snub, it's a slight, it's a shutter, it's whatever you want to call it. Bottom line is, it's a major league miss by the Division I Baseball Committee.
1: Well, Wes, I was going to say, does Aaron Fit have anything to talk about? Is there any big news uh, as it pertains to the ACC when it comes to the NCAA baseball tournament? This is it, NC State. We were talking about... Could 11 ACC teams make it? And Clemson was kind of the swing vote there. Could the ACC set a record for teams in the field of 64? Because we just all assumed NC State would be in, and rightfully so. I was at the uh, men's lacrosse championship game yesterday in East Hartford when the announcement came out, and I saw some people tweeting about NC State getting hosed by the committee, and I just assumed they had been put in a tough regional. Or something like that. Like, are they going to Knoxville? Do they have a tough draw? What's going on here? Never in a million years did I think NC State would be left out of the field altogether. Uh, You think about their resume this year. They're 33rd in RPI. They go to the ACC Tournament Championship. They beat two really good teams to get there, plus Pittsburgh in the semifinal, who was playing great baseball. Not only that, you think of the pedigree of this team. They are in Omaha last year. The NCAA, depending on your perspective... Gives them a raw deal. They have to withdraw due to COVID. A lot of people think that team would have won the championship last year. And this is also the first time they've missed the tournament since 2014. So you take all that into consideration, and it's just mind-numbing that NC State misses the field of 64. I cannot believe that they're not in.
0: Well, the ACC did get nine teams into the NCAA tournament. Uh, Two of them are top eight national seeds. Virginia Tech is number four overall. Miami is number six overall. North Carolina is 10, and Louisville is 12. There are five other teams in bracketing, but those are the four schools that will host, um, and we'll go through this here shortly uh, with the way all this sets up. But the story came when Mike Buddy, the athletics director at the at, at Army West Point, who is the chairman of the baseball committee, by the way, former baseball player at Wake Forest, uh Yesterday comes out and says that NC State was listed as one of the first four out. Now, Drew's already hit on it. Uh, the 30-plus RPI, very respectable, good league, we know that. Uh, ACC puts nine in most of any league in the country, four hosts, many league in the country, right? That kind of situation. So what did Elliott Aven and the Wolfpack not do in the eyes of the committee? Well, the committee leaned on RPI, and their RPI looked to be pretty good. So, what was the problem? Well, they dug down into non-conference record. Is something, Drew? I heard more about yesterday afternoon than I expected to hear about. So, and then Matt Brown, who writes Extra Points, a newsletter, put out this morning in his newsletter that the NCAA committee actually using RPI the way they do in the non-conference put schools in a situation to where they didn't play games late in the year because of the RPI, the potential opponent, and according to some of the FOI stuff, uh, freedom of information stuff he was able to gather, they just paid them out not to play the game. I mean, NC State played their schedule. I I thought their schedule was fairly representative of teams in the area. You're trying to do it economically. Next thing you know, they're talking about non-conference schedule. They're talking about you know, certain wins in the league. Next thing you know, NC State's on the curb. And it's it's a bad play by the NCAA Division I Baseball Committee. It's a bad play about baseball when a team deserving as this does not get in the tournament.
1: So you mentioned what Buddy said, the reasons that NC State didn't make it. You hit on the non-conference strength of schedule, which, to be fair, was 181st, so not great. That doesn't take into account the fact that they play in the best conference in the country um, and they were in the finals of the ACC baseball tournament. Now, I get it. That's a single elimination once you get to the semis. So you don't want to put all your stock in that. But NC State was pretty darn good in the ACC play, especially down the stretch. And Buddy also noted that they only won four ACC series this year. Only one series win over a team that's in the tournament. Well, here's the problem with that circular logic. You decided who was in the tournament selection committee. So it's not really NC State's fault that only one of the teams that they beat in ACC play made it. And by the way, some of the teams they lost to down the stretch in ACC play in terms of series are some of the best teams in the country. Virginia Tech, UNC, Louisville, Wake Forest. It just seems to me, Wes, like there was really no way for the ACC to get 10 teams in, even though it seems like they deserved it in our estimation. The ACC was basically penalized being too good with the teams NC State played down the stretch the other conference record was hovering around 500 but to me they proved themselves to be in that upper tier of the Mm -hmm. ACC which is the best conference in the country and they weren't rewarded for it and you know we were talking about this right before we came on the air I I feel like it's a little bit unfair to have this conversation without saying who you think they should be in over right because it's a finite field not everyone can get in it's only 64 teams So how about three at-large teams I think they should be in over? Ole Miss, whose RPI is 39 Mm -hmm. and was also around 500 in their conference. Grand Canyon, who is 50th in the RPI out of the whack. No disrespect, but what are we doing? Texas Tech was 44th in the RPI. NC State is 33rd in the RPI. We mentioned the pedigree. We mentioned the strength of schedule in the league. And by the way, if non-conference strength of schedule is what kept this team out, I guess we're just ignoring what they did against East Carolina, who they went 2-0 against Mm. with wins in two separate months. And the Pirates, since that last loss against NC State, have won 18 consecutive games and are going to host a Super if they get out of their own regional. So you can't just ignore that. Like, yeah, Ole Miss has series wins against LSU and Auburn, who are both hosting. Probably shouldn't, for what it's worth. But LSU and Auburn are both hosting. Okay, NC State has series wins against Georgia Tech, who's in the tournament. And that East Carolina series Mm -hmm. basically should count as a series win in my estimation. And what they did in the ACC tournament, that should also count as a series win. So it just seems like the the deck was stacked against them. And NC State fans will know this is not the first time in recent memory the NCAA has given them a raw deal. And we can get into that later, but it does kind of feel like they were trying to keep this Wolfpack team out.
0: All right, Aaron Fit, who's going to join us at 9 o'clock, uh, went to social media. He went there quick, and he went there hard, to be honest with you, uh, pointing this out yesterday, uh, not long after the uh, committee released the bracket. Uh, so Aaron gets, gets to Twitter and says, the bubble's very hard this year, and you can argue either way on most of these bubble teams. Just listen to our final projection show last night. He then says NC State should have not even been on the bubble. 17 and 16 aggregate in ACC with a 33 RPI should be a no-brainer at large. Then he doubles down on something that is becoming a talking point, and quite frankly probably should be. The ACC has no representation on the Division One baseball committee, and it shows. The conference has gotten hosed repeatedly over the last two years. So when Aaron Fitt makes that comment yesterday – on social media it starts a uh, a little bit of a turn if you will and yesterday afternoon florida state's media availability mike martin jr the head baseball coach at florida state is asked about the lack of representation from the atlantic coast conference on the d1 baseball committee
2: you know it's what happens when you don't have representation from your league on a committee and it's um, the ones that do have representation seem to get taken care of, and um, I'm just—I feel so bad for Elliot and this tremendous ball club that he has. That's—that's that's wrong. There's—there's there's no way they shouldn't be in. And um, anyhow, I'll, I'll hush and open up for questions. How does that work meet with the representation? Like who picks? Who's on the committee? Um, does it
0: rotate every year every other year? Like, what does representation even look
2: like? It's. I I don't know how they, you know, choose who's on it, Um, but I've heard stories of, you know, people that are brash and, you know, and they just bully everybody and um, convince others. And um, there's some that are passive that won't say anything. And there's some that, you know, it's never, I know there's not a uh, perfect system for it, but um, we got to do better than that. That's the bottom line.
0: Hmm. So, uh, the committee is going to come under white hot focus here especially from NC State and ACC baseball fans and rightly so. So who's on the committee? Well here's a list of the Division 1 Baseball Committee Uh, It is chaired by Mike Buddy who is the Athletics Director at the United States Military Academy Um, John Cohen is the uh, Director of Athletics at Mississippi State and their former baseball coach. Kirby Hocutt Previously, the uh, Athletics Director at Miami back in the day from Texas Tech, Matt Hogue, former uh, baseball administrator at uh, Coastal Carolina, who was their Athletics Director. And you see the representation now. One member from each of the five baseball regions, East, South, Midwest, Southeast, and West. Five are selected at large. No more than three from any region. A quota of 50% administrators, and that is clearly achieved in the uh in the drawing here so all that being said this ncaa division one baseball committee and and drew i'll get your reaction to this i kind of like mike martin jr's comments where he says hey look these committees can can go a couple different ways this is not the first committee where we heard there might be dominant personalities and passive personalities
1: I wonder who the dominant personality was on that committee. Was it Bob Moosbrugger or Sherrod Klinkscales? He had some great names on the committee. That's one thing. But my reaction <laughs> to that soundbite from Mike Martin-West is that was unprompted. You heard him say, we'll take questions now. He said that in his opening statement. Uh, and I think it yeah. was on everyone's mind what happened at NC State yesterday. That was the main talking point when we saw the field of 64. Uh, you mentioned that Mike Buddy played his college baseball in the ACC. But that's about as close as we get to having a representative on this committee. And this is now two years in a row where a team has gotten completely jobbed. Notre Dame last year won the ACC by four and a half games. The conference wasn't as strong as it is this year, but it's still the ACC and it's still baseball. And Notre Dame wasn't hosting a Super Regional. They went to Starkville and played the eventual national champs, Mississippi State. This year, Notre Dame again gets hosed. They should be hosting. Now, they are in the weakest regional. They're going to the 16-seed Georgia Southern. But, hey, if the Irish survive that, their reward is they get to go to Knoxville and play the one-seed Tennessee, again, potentially matched up with the eventual national champ in a super regional. But Notre Dame isn't even the worst example this year. If we're handing out the Rodney Dangerfield Get No Respect Award, Notre Dame and NC State, their entire athletic departments, would both qualify over <laughs> because of what's happened over the last two years. Uh, But it's pretty obvious that there's no ACC representation. I think Aaron, who's going to join us later on on the show, hit the nail on the head because this is now two years where there has been a serious, one or two serious misses when it comes to the ACC.
0: Yeah, no question about that. All right, we're going to get to your phone calls on the other side, 844-SAY-ACCN. Drew Carter called for the airing of the grievances last night. We will get to that. Uh, We also... Uh, looking forward to having Jacob Burke of Miami join us at uh, the top of the 8 o'clock hour. So we're off and underway. It's a full Packer and Durham on a Tuesday. NCAA Baseball Regional bracketing is set. We'll take a look at maybe where the ACC's best path into the Supers is. Certainly you got to think about Blacksburg and how good Virginia Tech's been there. What about Louisville hosting? Dan McDonald with us later today at 845. Packer and Durham continues On a Tuesday next, the Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham, it is a a Tuesday. Drew Carter's in for Mark. Uh, We will update you on Packer's Italian vacation coming up. There's plenty to update. He's now moved on to the Isle of Capri. Yeah, we do. There's parts of this that, unfortunately, the public will need to know before he returns Monday with all the photos and all the stories and all the other things going on. Okay, let's get to the regionals. Uh, We're going to start in Blacksburg, where Virginia Tech is the number four overall seed, obviously the top seed in their home ballpark. They're going to draw Wright State, game you can see at 7 o'clock Eastern time on ACC Network Friday night from Ogre at English Field. Columbia and Gonzaga are the other two participants in that side of the bracket. Uh, first postseason appearance since 2013. John Chefs done a remarkable job. 11th time overall for the Hokies. Drew, I like these guys. I, You know, despite the, uh, despite the slip in Charlotte, I, I think this is a team that can go a long way here. 100%.
1: Uh, They're tearing the cover off the ball. They've been, I think, the story of ACC baseball all season. They're loaded. We looked at the first, second, and third. All ACC teams, they had a ton of representatives on there. This is a pretty favorable draw, too, I think. Gonzaga is Mm -hmm. the second seed in this regional. You know, you don't have another Power 5 school in the Blacksburg Regional. Uh, This is probably the most favorable draw that an ACC school got this year, and they deserved it because they're the four overall seed.
0: Yeah yeah john chef by the way um third school he's taken to an ncaa regional maris took four times maryland with three and of course first time with virginia tech uh you see here at the bottom a note from Hokie sports virginia tech of just four schools to host ncaa softball and baseball regional games this postseason and to earn a top four seed in both tournaments so congratulations to the Hokies on that achievement as well for whip babcock and his uh his program um <clears throat> Miami is another top eight national seat. The uh, Hurricanes hosting Canisius at noon Friday. Ole Miss and Arizona is the night game on ESPNU. Roy Philpot, I think, going to be uh, calling the action from Coral Gables. Miami is a team, this is like habit here, 48th postseason appearance, 129-50 and 50 in the regionals, 88-17 at Mark Light that's almost 84 percent drew uh i expect the canes to uh, be able to escape the uh, sub-regional if you will this weekend
1: i expect it as well west but this is like the anti-blacksburg regional where you've got no power five schools other than <laughs> virginia tech how about arizona and ole miss i mean those are some names and Based on my luck, I did call out the Rebels as one of the teams that I would have liked to see NC State in over. And someone actually responded yeah. to my tweet yesterday saying, how do you leave NC State out? And an Ole Miss alum who I used to work with, Nate Mills, shout out, responded, Ole Miss. So the Rebels are a team, I remember mm. when I was down in Birmingham and Birmingham local news, sounded Southern there for a second, Birmingham, dropped the, uh, dropped the G off, it, like going back to my roots in the South. Nice but when try. I was down there well done. covering yeah. SEC baseball. Yeah, when I was down there covering ACC, or SEC baseball, uh, Ole Miss, I remember, was number one in the country for a decent stretch of last season. Um, so they're yep. dangerous. They've got the pedigree, they've got the coaching, and they've certainly got the talent. Uh, but Miami should be a favorite, and they're hosting for good reason.
0: All right, let's go to uh, College Park because that's where Wake Forest uh, is the two seed. Maryland is the top seed. Uh, and you see the Deacons 1 o'clock Eastern on Friday on ESPNU against UConn, uh, who won the Big East uh, championship last weekend. So the Deacons of Tom Walter find themselves 40-17-1, and and they are a two-seed at College Park.
1: And how about the turnaround for this group, Wes? They went from... Yep. 20 wins to 40 wins, and they're top 10 in the RPI. You know, say what you want about the RPI. We've cited it a lot already on this show because we don't really have any other options in baseball. You know, it's not basketball where you've got Ken Palm or the Sagarin ratings or the Elo ratings or whatever you want. Uh, but Wake Forest is sixth in the RPI. So if I'm Maryland, I'm looking at that and saying I don't really like the two seed in my College Park Regional. They're a strong team.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And Wake Forest, by the way, 24-2 non-conference record this year as well uh, on the regular season, which ties Tennessee for the best in the country. Uh, Statesboro, Georgia, Georgia Southern is uh, hosting, and they are the 16th seed overall. And that bracket also features Notre Dame as the, uh, as the two seed with UNC Greensboro and Texas Tech. And you'll be able to see the Irish Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock here on ACC Network. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how Link Jarrett's team goes here. John Michael Bertrand we know is terrific. This will be a bit of a challenge, though, for Notre Dame. Be interesting to watch their pitching for sure.
1: Yeah, I think this is a a pretty easy one to take an unseated team to come out of the regional if you're filling out a bracket. If you're pulling a West Durham and you print it off the bracket and you want to pencil in some teams and you want to you know go off the board a little bit you don't just want to pick the 16 seeds this is one to do it because georgia southern there you go there's that printed bracket i'm jealous i don't even have a printer in my apartment i'd have to go over to fedex on the west side of Hartford, which you know it's not worth it uh but notre dame should have been hosting and instead they they get to go to statesboro georgia and by the way I, in case the committee is wondering, uh, South Bend, the forecast, we've got 80s and 70s and 80s for the next week. So it does get warm in South Bend eventually. Um, they should not have a regional rob from them because it's cold. By the time we get to May and June, it's actually nice in South Bend. I know it's kind of hard to get there with the yeah. airport situation, but it should be based on resume and Notre Dame should be hosting. So even though they get the weakest host in Georgia Southern, Tennessee would be waiting potentially in, in a super, so not fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, don't disagree with that. By the way, uh, too bad Snookies is closed. Great breakfast spot in Statesboro. Archibald used to be a post-game hangout years ago, but that's a whole other story. All right, next up, let's go to Louisville. Uh, my cousin's Roddy Jones will have the call from Louisville for you, uh, where the cards – find themselves in a pretty good spot not only are they the number one seed in their bracket they're the 12th national seed uh southeast missouri state michigan and oregon find their way to jim patterson stadium where action begins on friday afternoon two o'clock over on espn plus uh dan mcdonald will be with us coming up at eight forty-five. i just uh i just think they've got opportunities here Drew, I, I, Louisville's a better baseball team than what they showed in Charlotte, for sure.
1: No doubt, and that gets back to, you know, what we mentioned earlier. If you're in a, a pool play and a single-elimination semifinal setup, it, it's going to be a little bit random. I mean, we saw an 8, a 10, and 11 in the semis in Charlotte. Louisville, I think, has won five of seven regular season division titles in the ACC since joining the league. Uh, Dan McDonnell and co., this is... I would say, the preeminent program in the conference at the moment, Um, and I'm excited to talk with him later on in the show because Louisville is a team that should certainly get out of the regional on paper, but you might remember a couple years ago, Michigan was in the College World Series finals against Vanderbilt, so they've got pedigree. They're only six games over 500 this year, but them and Oregon certainly does as well, so... Again, these regionals, once you get into June in NCAA baseball, it's fun because you start recognizing some of these names and you're thinking, wow, only one of these teams is going to get out of the next round. It'll be a lot of fun.
0: By the way, the Cards are 91 and 24 on their home field in NCAA tournament play. Um, And of course, winners in the NCAA regional last four years, 91 and 24 in the NCAA. Uh, in their home field over the last four years 91-24 and they've won 19 the regional and super regional and going to the World Series for a fifth time Georgia Tech you mentioned this earlier Drew Georgia Tech is in Knoxville Tennessee is the number one overall seed Georgia Tech gets Campbell the champion of the Big South at noon on Friday pitching has been a bit of a bugaboo for Danny Hall's team hitting has not uh, and when you see the Big South champs on Friday at noon, you're going to see a pretty good baseball team in the Campbell Camels.
1: Yeah, and I think your attention will immediately go to a potential Georgia Tech-Tennessee matchup to get out of this regional. And I think what you said is interesting, Wes. The, the hitting is good. The pitching sometimes a little shaky. I feel like you can go right. either way with, with your take on this matchup for Georgia Tech because on the one hand, Tennessee is not the team you don't want to have good pitching against because I think they might have set some records for home runs this year. What I don't cover SEC baseball anymore, but I know Tennessee is really good, 53-7, and and the bats have been hot all year. But the flip side of it is even if you do have good pitching, they're probably going to score runs. So you might as well try to beat them in a shootout, not that you're trying to give up runs, but you know what I mean. So maybe Georgia yep. Tech is a, a decent matchup for Tennessee, if anyone is, but that Tennessee team is loaded, man.
0: Yeah, the other thing, Tennessee leads the country in home runs and ERA, too. That's a rarity. Don't see that much at all. <laughs> uh, Tony Vitello's team is, uh, is really, really talented, and that's a hard road for Georgia Tech. Uh, Jackets, by the way, making their 34th uh, NCAA uh, tournament appearance, third straight since 2019, since there was no tournament in, uh, in 2020. Uh, let's go to East Carolina. Virginia is the two-seed. And they draw Coastal Carolina at 6 o'clock Eastern on Friday night. The Pirates will get Coppin State as the number eight national seed uh, out in Greenville. And I got to be honest, Virginia here is an interesting case study for me. We know they can pitch it. We know how good Geloff and some of these guys are at the plate. I think this is one where uh, Brian O'Connor's got to call on his experience, to be honest with you, Drew. I think you got to you got to really call on the fact that your team is, uh, has been here and done a lot of damage in NCAA tournaments.
1: Yeah, Wes, five college World Series since 2009, which is tied for the second most of any program in the country. This UVA program is the last ACC team to win it all back in 2015. Yeah. Um, and this, again, is a great regional. We're ta- we're, I'm saying that a lot because, you know, all these regionals are awesome. But ECU, we mentioned earlier in the show, They've won 18 in a row since losing to NC State Mm -hmm. in late April. Uh, Not enough for the Wolfpack to get in themselves, but that's a different story. Um, And Coastal Carolina is also a team that's won a national championship in the last five years. Uh, So this is another fascinating regional.
0: Yep. Uh, Auburn is our next stop, and that is where we'll find Florida State. They are the three seed at Plainsman Park uh, starting on Friday. The – Noles play at noon against UCLA, who come from the Pac-12, obviously, and make the cross-country trip. Uh, Florida State, you know about Parker Messick, one of the best pitchers in the ACC. 44 straight tournament appearances now for Florida State. Uh, it's tied for the longest postseason streak. They've made 59 appearances all time, uh, only behind Texas is 61.
1: And 44 straight for FSU West, the second longest active streak is Vanderbilt at 16. So the Seminoles' continuity and longevity here in the tournament is something to behold. And I kind of like the draw here. You know, Auburn, when Notre Dame got hosed in our previous edition of what ACC team got the short end of the stick from the selection committee, when Notre Dame wasn't hosting and we were looking for teams in the top 16 that might not deserve to be there. Auburn was one that came up a bunch. Uh, Another team that's around 500 in conference play. Uh, I kind of dig the draw here for FSU, and if you haven't watched Parker Messick pitch yet, do that. Uh, I think he's striking out like 12, 13 guys per nine innings. He is fun to watch. If you like runs, I get it. I'm, I'm the same way. I like seeing runs in my baseball games. But every now and then, a nasty pitcher comes along where he's worth the price of admission. That's Parker Messick.
0: Yep. Last stop for us in this segment is the Chapel Hill Regional, North Carolina's the top seed. Tar Heels are tenth overall. Uh, Scott Forbes joined us yesterday on the program. You'll see that coming up here in this opening hour as well. Uh, fifth straight appearance, thirty fourth overall. They've not played Georgia though since two thousand two. UNC's twenty one and six all time against VCU. Uh, and they last played prior to the pandemic uh, in the early part of the 2020 campaign. Uh, Hofstra, winners of the Colonial, surprising winners of the Colonial. College of Charleston still got in despite not winning the automatic bid out of the CAA.
1: Yeah, another smaller conference that puts an at-large team in. We saw that out of the WAC as well, Uh, but how about baseball on the island? Hofstra getting in the NCAA tournament, but not an easy draw for them. Carolina, as we've talked about ad nauseum, is maybe the hottest team in the country. 15-2 and over their last 17, winners of the ACC tournament in Charlotte. And again, pedigree. Uh, it's a UNC program yep. that knows what it's doing here. And even though Scott Forbes is only in his second year as UNC's head coach, he was under Mike Fox for two decades. So they'll be just fine.
0: Yep. Uh, Looking forward to watching Carolina and the other eight ACC schools. Story of the day in the baseball tournament, though, is NC State not making it. We'll talk more about that coming up with Aaron Fitt of D1 Baseball, along with his thoughts on this bracket as well, revolving the ACC coming up at 9 o'clock. When we come back on this program, though, Mark Emmert says, the Senators don't like me. These Senators hate me is the quote. (laughs) And a stunning development. When the president of the NCAA went to the government to look for help, he didn't have any friends. Back after this. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Uh, Drew Carter's here, kids. In case you missed it with Scott Forbes coming up here in just a moment, um, I, I got to tell you, Drew, to me – There's a lot you can say about Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, right? But he is the gift that keeps on giving, if you're in sports media right now. I mean, he just continues to absolutely deliver. Um, Emmert is quoted as saying, in a May 19th scenario, these senators hate me. Are there issues and choices over the past decade that I would like to make differently? Well, of course, Emmert said. Was NIL the issue? Was the NIL issue one of those? The answer is no. Excuse me? And then gets involved in a conversation where he says, these senators hate me. Okay? I mean, I, I, hate, to, I hate to be the bearer of the bad news here, Dr. Emmert. But you brought this one on your own. You brought this one all the way on your own. Um, this story in the Wall Street Journal, and of course, it's it's one of these that uh, Lane Higgins writes, at the Final Four last month, NCAA President Mark Emmert told reporters he was confident he could push Congress to regulate the freewheeling new era in which college athletes can make money from their likenesses. At a luncheon of the upper crust of college sports administrators, a day later, Emmert's tone, though, included the phrase, these senators hate me. <laughs> okay, so... So how do you know it? Why do you even publicly say you can fix it? Seriously, Drew, how does this happen? (laughs) This quote,
1: Wes, is akin to if I told my friends my parents were going to buy me a new Xbox, but without even asking and being denied, I just told them the next day, my parents hate me. My parents hate me. They haven't bought me an Xbox yet. Um, I don't have it. And my parents must hate me as a result. I, I love how you open up the segment, Wes, because this guy is um, hes a comedic genius, frankly. Because when I saw this quote, when Drew Brooks, our producer, sent this quote to us, <laughs> I said, these senators hate me as an all-timer. Uh, put that on a bumper sticker. Put that on Mark Emmert's Hall of Fame induction ring, for the NCAA, because I'm sure they'll put him in whatever hall they've got. Oh. These senators hate me. That's the money quote. Uh, I've never. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. Like Mark Emmert, I understand what he's saying about NIL. Like, I actually right. think he's right that NIL is a good development for college sports, but. It's not that black and white, right? I mean, there needed to be a little regulation. We've talked about this a bunch, and there is none from the NCAA, and so they're trying to kick the curb all the way up the road to Washington, D.C., and it's not happening. So Mark Emmert has he has ascertained that these senators hate him, which might be true. I don't even know, but the quote well, is hysterical. I,
0: well, we know he can't win at the Supreme Court. He took a 9 nothing road loss there, and... Justice Kavanaugh had the had the document that that basically sealed the NCAA's fate. His version of the senators hating him comes from the fact that he pushed so much of this Austin case, NIL, everything toward Capitol Hill, hoping that the government would bail out the NCAA with some sort of resolution or regulation or rule or whatever. And at the end of the day, the government didn't have any interest in participating. And now he still thinks he can circle back to it. You're not circling back to a place where you took a nine nothing loss to the Supreme Court. It just doesn't happen that way, because the last thing the senators want to get involved in. And this is simplistic fourth grade government. They they don't want to get back involved in something that's already been beaten. And your organization has been beaten. So therefore, when you get beat by the Supreme Court, 9 nothing again, let me tell you the score, 9-0. And you take that loss, the, the continuing carousel back to the government is not going to work. That's why the reform and all these other things that are happening, Drew, they can't come soon enough for me. All this stuff, I mean, you tell me who the new president of the NCAA is, what the, show me something new, but what we have right now does not work. There's no question about that.
1: No doubt. Um, And I just hope that from this segment, what I really want is that Twitter account, No Context CFB or No Context College Basketball to screen grab this with the graphic that says Mark Emmert, quote, these senators hate me because I hope this lives in in perpetuity. I really think this is one of the greatest quotes in in recent memory for college sports. (laughs)
0: But isn't it amazing that he tells a mass gra- mass crowd of people in New Orleans, oh, we're going to be able to get this done. And the next day tells a small luncheon, these senators hate me. I mean, <laughs> it's just amazing. It's just amazing. But I can't say I'm surprised. Let's put it that way. Just amazing. well, you know, what's
1: unfortunate, Wes, is Mark Emmerich. Mark Emmert's sort of an ACC guy. Uh, University of Washington is is what he says is his alma mater. It's his undergrad. But he got a Ph.D. from the Maxwell School at Syracuse University. And I'm just going to get out in front of this. We don't claim him as an alum. He is a U-Dub alum. (laughs) Go
0: Huskies. (laughs) All right. When we come back, Scott Forbes, in case you missed it from yesterday, the Tar Heels find themselves as a – Host coming up in Chapel Hill at the Bosch this weekend. And fresh off an ACC championship. We'll talk to Coach Forbes next on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Hey, don't forget the road to the College World Series begins in the regionals, and they start Friday right here on ACC Network. You'll get a chance to see Notre Dame down in Statesboro, Georgia, meet uh, Texas Tech uh, in the regional there. That comes up at 2 o'clock. And then Friday night, we'll take you under the lights to Blacksburg, Wright State, and Virginia Tech, 7 p.m. The College World Series regionals are presented by Capital One on ACC Network and streaming live on the ESPN app. All right, welcome back. Drew Carter's here for PAC. little band from Jacksonville with the bump. Um, all right, Scott Forbes joined us yesterday and uh, on the heels of winning Sunday's ACC Baseball Championship, Drew, we kept it pretty simple with the head coach of the Tar Heels. What's it like winning the ACC Championship, in case you missed it?
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. Exciting day for our guys yesterday. Exciting day, really, for just the University of North Carolina and their athletic department. Our lacrosse team winning the national championship, and our guys getting it done um, for an ACC championship against NC State. Just an awesome day. Great day to be a Tar Heel. All
0: right, so here's the question. Being the head coach, how different did it feel going through this process? Because I know you've been an assistant on a championship team. What was it like being the head guy? Thinking, okay, here we go through pool play, playing pretty well. This is on my watch now.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's definitely different for sure. I would say the biggest difference um, was, you know, sitting in a hotel room at Virginia when we were eight and thirteen, and then reflecting back on that. How like in the world are we here where <laughs> we are? And that's credit to our players and our assistant coaches. So. Once we started playing well and turning around and swept Florida State, I felt good about going into the tournament. And really at that point, as a head coach, you just when your guys are playing that well, you just try not to screw it up.
1: Well, coach, let's talk about that turnaround. Cause I mean, y'all might have been a bubble team at certain points of this year. And now here we are, you've won 15 of your last 17, your ACC champs, and you're hosting a regional. What changed <laughs> for your team? You know, we've always I, we've loved this
3: group from the get go. Um, they've done everything right. They work uh, great. Great job in the classroom. We have great leadership within our locker room. So, as a head coach, I just felt like, okay, these guys—they can turn this around. We need something positive to happen. And then we had that exam break. Um, we we beat Liberty. We beat Charlotte. And then we found a way beat nc state two out of three at nc state we didn't play great but we won two one run games and that kind of flipped the switch and and our guys had a great weekend with with alberto osuna walking off with a home run on thursday night against florida state and they they've continued to uh to play well but again it starts with pitching and defense and through this stretch we've really pitched well and we really defended well
0: Scott, the, uh, the irony, you mentioned Charlottesville. Uh, Roddy Jones and I got a chance to visit with you a little bit before that series started, and that series Dude. alone was gut-wrenching. It was a gut-wrenching weekend for your team, almost as if somebody or collectively some bodies had to decide, we're not going to let it in like this. Do you sense that coming off that weekend? That's where this turned for you and your team. I I know you mentioned your staff, and you got a great staff, but somebody in that clubhouse had to decide, didn't they, or some bodies?
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, you have to practice what you preach too, as the head coach about being in the moment. And you talk to your players all the time about what adversity does and what it can do for you if you let it. It's either going to break you, or it can make you a lot tougher. And you have to give credit to those guys, you know, starting with an Angel Zarate, a Danny Serretti, you know, on the mound with our older guys like Nick Pry and, and Davis Palermo and Will Sandy. All of our guys, you know, they made that decision. And, you know, we did talk about we had some gut-wrenching losses, you know, two 14-inning road mm-hmm. losses at Louisville um that one we were in a three-hour delay with a bomb threat which we none of us had ever, had ever gone through and then that might <laughs> and then like you said at Virginia you know we're fighting like crazy we take a three-run lead in the tent and then we lose that lead and you just had to say okay we, this has got you know this is going to help us if we let it if we can get some momentum because then we will have been in those situations and we know how to handle them and dang if these guys hadn't done that
1: Coach, you mentioned a couple names there. We got to ask you about Vance Honeycutt. We showed a graphic on All-ACC last night with his numbers before May 1st and since May 1st. What got into that guy at the end of his freshman season? He has been tearing the cover off the ball.
3: Yeah, special special kid. And, uh, you know, he started off really well for us this year. Um, And he had a slight mechanical flaw in his swing, uh, you know, but he was getting away with it. Then you have to give Coach Wears Bickey credit, our hitting coach, him and Vance, and really Vance the most credit, because he made the change. About five, six weeks ago, you know, getting rid of that tilt and trying to be more direct to the ball. He's so strong and he's so fast. I told a lot of people, you know, if he cuts back on those strikeouts, this kid could steal fifty bases. So we're lucky to have Vance. Um, he comes from a great family. His dad played at UNC. He had a chance to sign professionally and he has been such a different make maker for us, you know, golly, 20-plus home runs and 20-plus stolen bases, you don't see that much anymore in college baseball.
1: Scott, why do you think that the league is so deep right now? Because I feel like, you know, for years the SEC has been the cream of the crop. Now our league is probably going to have more teams in the dance, same number of hosts, should have had more, should have had five, with Notre Dame taking one of the SEC spots. But why do you think the ACC is in such a good place right now?
3: Um, you know, I think, I think the coaches are working really hard recruiting. And then I think, you know, now with the transfer portal, it allows you to have an older team. Um, you know, different schools recruit different ways. Uh, but it does allow you to fill some spots and some gaps with some older kids, um, that have played a couple college seasons. And that makes a world of difference. If you look at a lineup card, you know, and you have seven true freshmen out there, you know, you're going to. It's going to be a battle, and it's going to be up and down. But, you know, Notre Dame's a great example. You look at their lineup, and, I mean, that is senior, 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 senior grad transfer. And those guys are older, they're stronger, and they're more experienced.
0: And that is Scott Forbes, whose team won the ACC championship, beating NC State on Sunday in Charlotte, and drew now revisionist history, Well, I guess we owe this discussion to if, Pac likes to say, biggest word in sports, if NC State would have won the game, they would have gotten the automatic bid, they would have been in. Had they known the peril of the game, good heavens here, um, little did they know they were on the chopping block in the committee room on Sunday afternoon.
1: Seriously, I mean, retrospectively, that game (laughs) is massive. And it makes you wonder, like, if NC State beats Carolina, well, UNC's definitely getting an at-large, probably still hosting even if they lose. But does that mean a different ACC team gets left out? I mean, would it be maybe FSU or or Georgia Tech? Does someone get left out? Because it sort of seems like nine was the cap. That's how many teams the SEC got in. And that's how many teams the ACC got in, even though we were all – basically assuming that 10 would get in with NC State. Uh, but yeah, it makes you wonder, Wes, if, if they would play that game differently. There were some interesting quotes from the Wolfpack during the week. And then after the game, Coach Avent and a couple of players talked about how they're going to use this and get better and learn from it because it's not the end. Well, it turns out it was the end, even though it shouldn't
0: have been. Yeah. well, That's the disappointing part for NC State, for sure. The other aspect about this um, – Boy, you kind of feel differently about Carolina now than you did going into May. I mean, just as a threat in this event, uh, you look at the bigger bracket, and we can do that now because you know Carolina is one of these teams that's obviously hosting and uh, has an opportunity to to advance. They would play the winner of the Oklahoma State Regional. Now, Oklahoma State's the seven seed. Carolina's the ten seed. If Oklahoma State wins, they would likely go to Stillwater, of course. Um, Behind that is Arkansas, Grand Canyon, and Missouri State. Um, Grand Canyon, we've already discussed in not-so-favorable terms about their participation in this event. But, Drew, for me, Carolina's kind of got the wherewithal maybe to be one of those teams that uh, that emerges here out of that second group of, uh, of eight, if you will, as a potential Omaha candidate. And, of course, they've got the pedigree there for sure.
1: Yeah, I love that call, Wes. And, you know, Baseball, there's so much talk about momentum and superstition in baseball. No, one's, no one can feel more confident than Carolina right now, maybe outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Carolina's got to be feeling amazing with how they ran through Charlotte and how they ran through the end of the regular season, too. Um, and, yeah, they wouldn't have to go through another ACC school on the way to Omaha, so sure, I'll pick it. Why not? Give me Carolina in Omaha. I'll be an ACC homer.
0: Yep, there you go. And when we come back... 8 o'clock hour we ride to, and Jacob Burke from the University of Miami is going to join us. You know about the Canes. They're hosting this weekend. Looking forward to seeing Canisius with Ole Miss in Arizona as well. We will talk to Jacob Burke of Miami when Packer and Durham continues on ACC Network. Packer and Durham.